This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Monday, February 22nd, 2021. I'm Caleb Brown. Just shy of a year ago, one of the predicted effects of the massive declines in employment that followed the arrival of COVID-19, a dramatic decline in state revenues. But in many states, that simply hasn't happened. Logan Colas of the Buckeye Institute and Chris Edwards of Cato comment on why the massive spending shortfall simply never materialized. Uh, Chris, I want to start with you. Uh, We were told in March and April, massive collapse in state-level revenues. What happened? Well, the uh, state budget situation turned out uh, a lot better than a lot of uh, the mainstream media was projecting. There was a lot of scare newspaper headlines early in the crisis that, you know, it was an apocalypse with uh, state and local government revenues. I was very skeptical the whole time when I blogged about this early on because I went back and looked at the Great Recession a decade ago, and the loss of revenues a decade ago was not very uh, not very much. In fact, local governments, cities and counties a decade ago, didn't lose any money uh, overall because they mainly relied on property tax revenues. And the same thing has happened this, this time, that property tax revenues are actually rising, so cities uh, are doing very well. Property tax revenues are three quarters of local government revenues. They've continued to do well. So just to give you the overall numbers for the country as a whole, for calendar year uh, 2020, overall state and local tax revenues were up 1%. That's because income tax revenues were up 2.9%. Sales tax revenues dipped 2.2%. Property tax revenues are up 3.9%. So despite the uh, sharp contraction in the second quarter. Overall, state, local government tax revenues for the year were actually up. And, you know, most economic projectors think that 2021 is going to be, uh, we're going to have strong economic growth. So I imagine state, local tax revenues will continue rising. Uh, Logan, with the massive contraction in uh, certain sectors uh, of the economy, uh, why did this decline not occur? Well, looking at the entire picture, the federal government already sent out roughly $400 billion to states. Uh, basically, when the government sent all this money to the states, a lot of consumers didn't feel comfortable about going out and spending all this money. So they instead stockpiled it and they have this huge amount of financial savings, uh, well over two point, well over $2 trillion. So instead of spending, spending it, a lot of economists have called this uh, pent-up demand or excess savings that consumers across many states have basically just held on to this money and uh, haven't thrown it all back into the economy yet. Meanwhile, sales taxes across the country, because they tend to rely on better bases, which means uh, these states, they tend to go and spend all this money. Uh, They're actually holding up well. The income tax has declined a little bit more uh, because a lot of people have either left the workforce or have just become unemployed because they're not looking for work. But overall, across the country, the revenues, this big apocalypse just never really occurred. Now, you've looked at a couple of states in particular, Ohio and New Hampshire. What are the stories there? Yeah. So under the new proposal in Washington that would send $350 billion to state and local governments, Ohio would be set to get about $11 billion of state and local money. About half of that would go to the state. Ohio already has $2.7 billion in its rainy day fund. And because the federal government increased what is known as Medicaid matching, which tends to be one of your biggest expenses for states, Ohio already got $2.6 billion for that money. But this big revenue apocalypse, especially in Ohio, that never happened. So 
early in February, Ohio saw as the economy shut down and as Ohio shut down, by February, we went from a $200 million surplus to a $770 million deficit. Uh, since that time, that revenue has actually rebounded. I looked at the numbers through December in Ohio, looking at Ohio's general revenue fund from March to December, because that's when tax revenue started to take the hit, because that's when the economy shut down. And it's down just 1.55%. That's not a lot of money, uh, especially when you consider that 1.55% is only $309 million. And as I already talked about, the federal government has talked about sending billions, tens of billions of dollars to these states. It just doesn't make sense. We've seen a similar situation in New Hampshire as well. Another interesting state is California, that, you know, the largest state in our union. Uh, California's budget is doing extremely well. Why? Well, two reasons. One, uh, high income earners have tended to do pretty well during this recession. It's people uh, at the bottom, restaurant workers and those sorts of folks who've been hit the hardest by uh, the recession. But so California, half of its entire tax revenue uh, comes from uh, the top uh, the top 1% of earners. It's, they have a very progressive or slanted system. And secondly, Silicon Valley and the stock market continues doing very well. California collects a lot of money from capital gains. So the California budget is experiencing a big windfall. That's uh, uh, what the state's legislative uh, budget agency actually called it, a windfall of around $30 billion California is experiencing. It's true that some states... Uh, that rely on, uh, you know, hospitality and leisure industries like Hawaii have been hurting. There's a few energy states like Wyoming that have been hurting. But the general story is, especially because high earners have continued to do well, state budgets are actually doing surprisingly well and will continue to. There's absolutely no reason for any further federal bailout money. All right. So, Chris, uh, you've already... Uh mentioned this, but how should this change the narrative about uh, these cash payments that the federal government is considering? Well, there's no reason for any further uh, federal bailout money. Uh, there's already The federal government's already passed hundreds of billions of dollars of aid to the state governments. And one of the, the problems with all this aid to the, the, the states is that it creates a disincentive going forward for states um, saving up and doing the responsible uh, thing to prepare for the next recession. We probably, you know, we will have another recession down the road. State governments should be building up their savings or so-called rainy day funds to get ready for the next recession. The more the federal government bails out, the more of a disincentive for the states to prepare for recessions themselves. Going into this recession, some states like California, to its credit, were well prepared. Other states like Illinois and New Jersey had saved absolutely nothing in the rainy day funds, even after a decade of economic growth. So the federal government should not be coming in and bailing out these states like Illinois and New Jersey that were very irresponsible and didn't put any money aside uh, for, for contingencies like this. Yeah, I mean, even on that, one thing I would add is a lot of these states, as Chris mentioned, that were taking these big revenue declines, such as Florida, they're already talking about spending billions of dollars already. And many of these natural resource reliant states, West Virginia, South Dakota, all these types of states, these are also the states that already have not stable tax bases because they rely on energy, which is very, it fluctuates. But that means that these states are also a lot of the states that already had large rainy day funds and prepared for the downturn. So uh, yeah, and just jumping off what Chris said, I do think there's this big moral hazard issue, which is what you call it in economics, where if you bail out these states, they don't have this incentive to guard against this risk. 
I mean, the only other thing is a lot of media stories continue to say that there are large budget gaps or shortfalls in the hundreds of billions of dollars. The, this this sort of uh, this theory is, is that let's say that uh, states had expected revenues to rise by five percent, but they actually only rise one percent. Uh, a lot of analysts claim, oh, well, there's a giant gap of, you know, four percent of revenues that we didn't get. But that's really it's that's a kind of a fiction, because if states bring down spending to the level of revenue growth, let's say one percent, there is no gap. So it seems to me that states ought to just get ready and be flexible with their budget. So if, so if revenue growth comes in less than they expected, you know, they can adjust their budget quickly by by bringing down spending and it gets rid of gaps very quickly. So you should be very skeptical of these newspaper headlines that claim that there's these gaps of hundreds of billions of dollars. It's kind of just an accounting trick. And, and states, uh, as a legislative matter, they can build that into their budgets. They say if if you know the revenue doesn't come in, this money just doesn't get spent. No, that that's exactly right. They should have more flexibility when recessions come. Private businesses, you know, downsize and and trim costs and and defer investments and that sort of thing. State and local governments uh, can do the same. And again, they should build up their rainy day funds or their savings funds ahead of time uh, so that they're ready for possible downturns. Yeah. And then I, I think the other big point to add here is the proposals floating around Washington, in my point, in my opinion, both send way too much money and poorly tailor that aid to the states. For example, California was already looking at how to spend $15 billion that even before this massive package was being talked about. But because this package distributes the money along population grounds, they would be in line for another $40 billion to already go into their state's coffers when you include state and local revenue. California doesn't need that. And it doesn't make much sense when you start giving these states that have these large, uh, that have these good surpluses. When you talk about giving them, you know, $41 billion or over 10% of the package when other states are hurting a little bit more because they rely on, you know, tourism or natural resources or anything of that nature. Logan Colas is an economic policy analyst at the Buckeye Institute. Chris Edwards directs tax policy studies at the Cato Institute. Subscribe to the Cato Daily Podcast anywhere you please and follow us on Twitter at Cato Podcast. Cato Podcast.